Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, my beloved listeners. Aldi bilay min al-shaytani rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Now, before I even start the show, I need to apologize because when I woke up this morning, the cough decided to follow me as well. So, in between my discussion today with my guest Gavin Frank, educational psychologist, where we're talking about writing challenges. If there's a cough here in there, please forgive me. I think you know we're moving into autumn, inshallah. And these things happen. So I sound really, really excited about a very, very serious topic because when it comes to youth talk, which you know, Alhamdulillah, we aim to educate, empower, motivate, and inspire adults and children. Now, remember, you don't need to be a parent to be able to make a difference in the life of a child. Whether you are a teacher, whether you are an uncle, whether you are an aunt, whether you are someone in the neighborhood, you are responsible for somebody's. And how can we make a difference, inshallah? So that's obviously the near, the intention for Youth Talk. And last week we spoke about reading challenges amongst the youth in South Africa, which is a reality. As we are all aware, reading and writing go together. Now, when I think of writing, sadly, many children write the way they text on social media so we are aware that with social media whether it comes to whatsapp or instagram or whatever social media app your child is using these days there is also predictive text there is autocorrect and and they're very used to all of this um, spell check um so when they text in all that funny lingo so to speak sometimes it does get corrected which again can be a problem when children already have problems with spelling. Again, if they're not using all of these fancy um, ways of making their, uh, their writing skills more effective, when they write the way they text and they're writing for a school examination, they are obviously going to be marked down because their teachers have no clue what they're talking about. And obviously, if you are writing an examination, the language of learning and teaching in almost every school is English your child's going to be losing marks. Also, children write the way they speak. So when they are speaking and their tense is incorrect and their grammar is incorrect, how do we mindfully correct a child? Especially when a child is young. Often there's this mistake that a child children are exposed to to like i said language on social media and young children when we are given nicknames or, or or sort of baby talk when you are referring to certain things and sometimes that's what children write about they have this very elementary sort of vocabulary bank and that's the words that they use when they write so amongst all of these other challenges there are so many more challenges that Gavin Frank is going to unpack for us today when it comes to writing amongst the youth in South Africa. Now remember we're talking about children that are just starting school. We are talking about children who are already in the school system as well as children at high school level. So when we're referring to children, Gavin and I are going to sort of give you an idea from the different age 
age groups and challenges that he, as an educational psychologist, has identified over the years. For those who are not familiar with Gavin Frank, he is based in Laneja, Johannesburg, and has extensive experience in what he does. He's also often the go-to man that many of the district officials in schools um, refer children to. Good morning, Gavin Frank, and welcome once again to Youth Talk. Good morning, Bibiaisha, and good morning to all your listeners. Good to be back. And you've covered quite a bit already in your introduction. But you mentioned some very important points because it's a very broad topic. I don't know how much you're going to manage to cover, but there's a lot that is open for discussion. You know, Kevin, I'm just going to say something to you. Kay, and often when people used to get a response to that, Kay, they would ask, Okay, what is K supposed to mean? I'm asking somebody a question and they respond and they put the letter K. I'm sure in, initially when that just started, you probably also scratched your head to say, what is this? What is this language? K and then just the letter U. And then people say, no, this is short texting and this is this and this is that. And, and, and it probably took you some time to figure out what was actually the message being conveyed. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, sure, sure. I mean, we've fallen behind in the texting and textiles that they use. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot, I mean, their own jargon. And we need to catch up to know what they're always talking about. And just to add on to that, before we get to the uh, reading, uh, the writing challenges, now there's emojis. So, you know, there's the heart and there's the little smiley face and the huggy face, which again, you know, us, the oldies, so to speak, need to keep up? Or do we actually need to be doing this? Because when your child is writing an essay or expected to answer a question in literature or something about poetry, we are the writing skills. So I'm going to ask you, Gavin, can you please, in all your years as an experienced education psychologist, what are the common problems that you have identified when it comes to effective writing skills in children which are sadly lacking in recent times. Uh, thanks, You know, uh, we spoke last week about reading. Now, a lot of mm-hmm. writing is directly linked to the reading, uh, the base. Reading is the base of it all. And again, uh, when we're talking about the handwriting, the name can sound limiting. You know, you just think of putting pen to, uh, to paper. But it's a, a whole process. It involves the brain because you're thinking about what's going to go down on the paper. It's what you see in front of you. It's what you see in your mind's eye, remembering the words, remembering the spelling. It's the sound associated with each word. And then, of course, there's the motor activity linked to putting it down on paper. And, of course, writing is no longer simply a thing about using it, writing it down on paper. As you mentioned uh, before, it's also linked to the whole thing of uh, texting and technology. Mm-hmm where you're not writing all the time. Now, one of the, 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 the big issues that children always talk about is that writing is so boring. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, how do you add enjoyment to a less exciting aspect of literacy and communication? And some children just see school writing as, you know, a painful process. Where they got to do endless drafts, and it's got to be scrutinized and corrected. I remember the days when we were at school, and those teachers would fill your page with a lot of red marks every time you made an error. You know, what I mean? and that used to be quite uh, discouraging at times. But I mean, 
children need to go through that. They need to be corrected. They need to be shown the correct way. And I see these days teachers are a bit more cautious about that. So the one thing is the actual letter formation. Now, um, these days, look, there was a time where letter formation played a major role in the early phases. And there was a specific way in which you form the letter, the direction in which you pen, like if you're doing the A, you start off as a C first, then you do add the line going up and then down, all in one movement. And children would learn that. Um, and then, of course, by the time they got to grade three, they would be introduced to cursive and writing. Mm-hmm. Now, this has largely fallen away. Uh, at present, the department does talk about uh, letter formation, but they don't prescribe to schools like it used to be done in the past. And schools have a choice of whether to carry on a print script or whether they want to introduce cursive. <laughs> and a lot of people have complained that they don't, they can't, re- uh, uh, the poor readers can't really read cursive. So yes. maybe there's some logic in dropping cursive because a lot of schools have just dropped it. Instead, they have letter formation where there's a slight tail at the end of each letter so you can join the two letters without changing the shape of the letters. Okay? So it's those choices that affect it. And somehow it also affects the appearance because children used to take a pride in how they would put pen to paper. And because things are less, uh, you know, they, they, the focus isn't too much on uh, perfect handwriting, so that does suffer. And you see when a child, even a preschool child or a grade one child comes in and ask, you ask them to write their name on the, the drawing, you see from the formation that there's many different ways they're doing it and it's not always the most effective way of writing. But of course you can read the, the letters. So then the, the next part is... From, let, uh, yeah. Coming from a foundation phase, specialist, educator background, I remember, you know, when, when I used to teach grade one, we were pedantic about letter formation as when I was a child. So it would obviously be, you know, starting next to the margin, your fingers facing, you know, would touch the top of the line. You know, your ya and your ga would have a little tail that will come, um, you know, which uh, would go below the line to the line on the next um, the next line. Uh, also, there would be finger spacing. And obviously, we would put this emphasis on, like you say, letter formation, the size of letters. Because like you say, nowadays, again, because, because of texting, um, certain people or certain children, certain children would write everything in, in capital letters, which, again, these basic writing skills of how a sentence should start, of, of the, the letter size, of the letter formation, these are skills that are very important irrespective of how much we can be moving towards technology, how much there's artificial intelligence. This basic skills of writing seems to be disappearing as much as teachers, um, especially in foundation phase, and yeah, I'm like rooting for the foundation phase teachers, as much as it's part of our curriculum and they are striving to do so, you know, um, we urge parents, and I would like for you to, you know, to touch on this, that these very basic writing skills start from home, um, letter formation, size of letters. You know, when parents are teaching their children how to write their names, start with a capital letter. Why is it a capital letter? Because obviously, you know, um, it's a noun, it's a proper noun. So all of these things are basically go hand in hand. But sadly, as you notice now in classrooms, um, this basic common knowledge, as we would think, is disappearing 
So how can we urge parents to be mindful of this when they're teaching their child how to write? Yeah, now look, you've covered it really in detail, you know, exactly the type of problems that we are experiencing right now. And what a difference it makes if a child really learns to write correctly at the beginning. Now, parents could work with teachers and find out from them how to go about it. But also on the internet, there are uh, many, many examples of how to form the letter. They even show you tiny little arrows in on the letter A, in which direction to move. And you can teach your child at home the letter formation. But we, and it's very important because it, it does affect, like you mentioned, the capital letters, the size, the spacing. It affects uh, the, 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 what, the, the product that's going to be on paper. And so, you know, whoever's reading it will be able to make out clearly what they're reading about. But those errors do affect the meaning. Another important thing is that learning the letters cannot be done in isolation from the actual sound that those letters make. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, between the letter A, okay, a lot of parents like to go for the letter names, but the teachers will advise you that it's important to go for the letter sound, the phonic sound, so the A. And as you're writing it, they would be remembering or saying it out loud that this is the sound they're making, the A, the letter B, and so forth. So it's letter identification, and the foundation phase is so important to get these things right. If you can get those sounds uh, and the phonic sounds correct in the foundation phase, you really set in your child on the road to success. But when children have a difficulty and they move to grade four, where they're still having problems with that, because sometimes we test children in the higher grades and they cannot tell you letter sounds. They cannot, you know, they cannot uh, make up a word and uh, decode a word on their own because they don't have that knowledge is forgotten or it wasn't taught to them properly. So, Mm -hmm. and then there's such a thing called phonemes where it is groups of letters that make the same sound, different ways of producing the same sound. Now, these are often used in texting. They would create their own phonemes, like for instance, the word forever. You have the, the number four and then ever next to it. So it's phonemes, but in a different way. Uh, you know what I mean? And then, of course, even writing the words, they must say, you know, they must know in their mind or say it in their mind what is the word they're writing over there. So that there's always that link between the the, the, the figures on the page and the meaning, the association to the sound and the meaning and the words that it's attached to. Because that is important in writing, you, to know what you are writing about. And like now I said, it's all linked also- to reading. Most definitely, yeah. they go hand in hand. So now another common problem, left-handers versus right-handers. Now, I'm a left-handed person. And I remember, you know, the bulk of the learners in the classroom would be right-handers. There would be left-handed children as well, but the bulk would be right-handers. So teaching children who are right-handed letter formation, but I'm a left-hander. There's something that I had to learn from my HOD and one of my colleagues, and I'm grateful for that. But then also, how can we guide parents at home to assist their child who could be left-handed? What other uh, writing, uh, you know, I mean, you know, just to be mindful, firstly, um, of the guidelines that they need. How should the child be sitting, um, buying specific um, stationery that, that's made now for children who are left-handed? I remember when I was younger, uh, not many of those things were available. So just, you know, in that way as well, when, when a child is left-handed, um, 
for a person who's right-handed and if you have to see a left-handed child writing, you're going to wonder that this child is very peculiar. Look how he or she is holding their book and holding their, their writing, uh, you know, their pen or pencil. So if you can just give some indication to our listeners of how they can assist left-handed children, please. Yeah. Now, the starting point is to not treat it as though there's something wrong with the child. I know and that's, we've come a long way in terms of that. But I know in, yeah. in the earlier days, people would try to force the children to use the right hand. And there were all sorts of stories about the child not being bright enough if he's not using the left hand. But it's, it's, it's proved to be much, you know what I mean? So the whole idea, because it is very awkward for a left-handed person to write the way that right-handers, because everything is, the world is centered around right-handedness. Yes. Uh, so again, you know, like when you're writing with the right hand, there's a particular emphasis on the, you know, you, you well, the, the, how do they put it? You pull the pencil away from the body all the time. Whereas with right-handed, it's the opposite. It's the mirror image of what you're doing. And so it's just about allowing them to write slowly, until they become, you know, it, it can be, be very difficult. A lot of left-handed children would let the letters lean in the opposite direction towards the left. So yes. getting them to write straight up might be the easier bit in getting them to write with leaning to the right, as right-handers do. So there are those difficulties. In fact, I didn't know there were special books where you could, for, for left-handed people that you mentioned now, no, there was again, basically um, not not so much special books, but not special books. There was actually, you know, left-handers, um, pair of scissors, um, also rulers yeah, so that had something they could hold on to to make it a bit easier for children who are left-handed as they were learning the skills of writing. Yeah, no, no. In fact, those are so important, especially like the scissors you speak about. We know if we try to cut something with our left hand, how difficult it is using that same scissors. Mm -hmm. So to get a child a proper pair of scissors, those things make a major difference in, you know, the child coping. And it's just about reminding the child that he's just as good, if not better, than the others. They talk about right, there's a whole other stories around it all. They tell you that left-handed people are more creative. And their yes, brain, we you know, are. talk about... we are. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to debate it, cause, uh, but I mean, like, the, the, the reality is that there are a lot of, powerful leaders who are left-handed. Uh, well, maybe I say one of them, and, uh, but there's also people like Barack Obama. I did not Obama. say him to say that. I did not <laughs> say him to say that. <laughs> but, but you know, Gavin, no, we've come a long is, way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In showing but understanding and empathy towards children who are left-handed. And Gavin, you know what, we're going to be going to the an ad break shortly, but I must just say something, you know, to parents who are listening in today, and you're going to know this better than me as well, you know, to parents who are listening in today, to teachers of foundation phase learners who are listening in today, when you are teaching children the skill of cursive writing, can you imagine how much more challenging it is for a child who is left-handed? So also be mindful, be empathetic. You know, sometimes as a teacher, as a former teacher, sometimes, you know, you would lose your call and say to a child, but your writing is that diary, your writing is this way. We need to also understand that these are young children. This is something that they are learning for the very first time. Put yourself in that child's shoes and just be patient, be mindful. And when the child is trying, please give the child incentives. Pet this child on their shoulder and say, I'm so proud of you. Give the child maybe a chocolate or a star. That's for parents as well. Because 
You know, when it comes to left-handed children, initially they do feel like they're being ostracized sometimes maybe, or they're being stigmatized because they are the minority in a classroom. But we're getting there and we're moving forward and that's the very, very important thing. So when we return after the ad break, we will be talking a lot more about short texting, what's the lingo, and how is this not very good for children as they grow older and when they need to obviously complete essays and other much more detailed information when it comes to assessment. My beloved listeners, please don't go away. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you, my beloved listeners. A'udhu billahi minash shaitani rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And today, my beloved listeners, we are talking about writing challenges with my guest, education psychologist, Kevin Frank. Now, during the ad break, I received a message on one of my personal social media platforms. Uh, it, it, it's such a cute message. The, the listener who wants to remain anonymous says, do you remember Bibi Aisha when we were in school? school um you know we used to often you know struggle with handwriting and those of us who had very very untidy handwriting sometimes our teacher used to say you know with the writing like this the only person who will understand what you wrote would be a pharmacist because that's how doctors write kevin do you remember that do you remember that when a doctor gave you gives you a prescription the, the handwriting is usually not so legible and funny enough only a pharmacist could interpret that and i remember as i was growing older when i is to go to a doctor for whatever reason and the, the prescription is is so neat and it's legible and you used to wonder, oh, this is like the new generation doctors. Do you recall that? No, I do. In fact, I came from a school, Progress Primary School, where the principal uh-huh. had a beautiful handwriting. And I mean, the admission mm-hmm. register, only he wrote into, in that book. And uh, there was a, he used to emphasize handwriting throughout the, from grade one to grade five, or standard five at that time. And there was one child who was a doctor's son in my class. And I was mm-hmm. talking, he wrote quite untidy. And I tried to correct him and said, now, look, your father's become a doctor. And all these kind of things are important. So get your hand on that. He turned around and said, oh, f- sir, my father writes terribly. He writes worse than me. <laughs> I didn't have an answer for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember that used to be like this common, common um, sort of, sarcasm that would go around in classrooms when it came to that that handwriting but we forget that the way you write is basically it's who you are you you know funny enough and you know listeners um i'm sure you can recall this if there are teachers who are listening also i mean parents who are listening you know if you have um children and your children you know write letters to you because i know when children are small that's what they like doing we think it's scribbles but to them obviously it's meaning it's communication they're sending you a message they're telling you something special right and you know Maybe you'd, you'd come home and you'd see all these little letters on the kitchen counter or on the lounge table. And the minute you open it up, you already know which child it's from. Because you can identify the handwriting and you already know without reading the name. I mean, I can tell you for a fact, having 40 children in a classroom without opening the, well, you know, looking at the cover because the books used to be open when you need to mark it. You already knew whose book it was. So so your writing style is basically it's unique to you. Kevin, can you comment further? No, definitely. And I mean, there was a time where we really took a pride in the way we, we presented things on paper. And handwriting played a major role. Of course, that isn't the case these days. I mean, like uh, penmanship and calligraphy 
it's slowly becoming a, a thing that's just for the select few. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, you know, it's just about writing so that it's legible. And uh, it, it's sad because I mean, like, if you look at some of the in the previous, I mean, centuries ago, I mean, the, the Arab writers, the Arabians were known for their handwriting and the the, the scripts and the documents that they used to produce. And That's how much of that is now done by a computer? You can type in a computer and it gives you a whole calligraphy. I mean, the, you can choose any lettering. So that yes. art of letter writing is dying down, which is so sad. But anyway, uh, also sometimes they talk about progress and we're not sure how much progress we lose out on, on some of the, you know, important things that I get. And yet we think that these are like your basic skills. Like think about your signature. Uh, no app is going to, to basically, um, you know, um, well, I'm hoping, I pray, that's going to basically mimic your signature. That's your pride. You know, the way you write your name, that's that's your pride. But also like, you know, what like we mentioned before the ad break, we, we, we need to be very mindful as, as parents and caregivers of the way your children even text you in a WhatsApp message. Because sadly, like, you know, we mentioned several times in today's show, children write the way they speak and they write the way they text. And that's where we need to um, be supervising because when you're writing an examination, then that's where you're going to be penalized because of your spelling, because of your grammar, because of your tense. So, Gavin, can you please give parents some tips um, of how they can ensure that their children um, don't spend so much of time, you know, on, on all these various tab uh, tablets and Android and whatever, but are actually writing things at home. Good old-fashioned writing. I mean, this is, a, this is a beneficial life skill, no matter what. Artificial intelligence or whatever is coming about, that will never replace that original human touch and skill. No, it definitely won't. The unfortunate part is that texting is a part of our lives. And maybe one needs to look at how much control do parents really have over the texting that a child does. So maybe just, you know, to mention at the beginning that there are moral issues that come into texting. You know, yes. because first of all, the, the children need to know that whatever they put on that, I mean, whatever they they, 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 they use on on the technology, in terms of the technology. It becomes a permanent record. And they must be very careful what words they use. Because those can be used against them. It can, you know what I mean? It, it can be used in a, if, yeah. if they're not careful what words they're using. That's the one thing. And then also, some children link it to a kind of identity what they want to use. So, so parents need to be very involved in terms of encouraging the type of culture that will suit their values and their religious views. Because in mm -hmm. terms of texting, you get a whole lot of different types of people out there and different styles that they pick up from all over the show. And not yes. all of it fits in with the values of a family. So parents need to, you know, continually remind their children, you know, what they should be striving for. Because they're not around to see what the child is texting. Texting, but by you know keep reminding the children, children do eventually pick it up, and they you know what I mean they become more responsible. So absolutely, the with the, yeah. So now look, a lot of Kevin research. Kevin, the message, yeah. yeah. Yes, please, please go ahead. Please go ahead. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, sorry, I, I lost it, but but okay. So uh, in terms of texting, 
there's a lot of research that's been done which talks about how texting has actually been bad for young people's literacy. Mm. But then there's also a lot of literature that talks about some of the good points about texting. I'm not taking sides, the debate is still continuing, but I can present both sides of the story. One of the mm-hmm. things that, that has come up, come across quite clearly is that it does affect their grammar. You know what I mean? Because children choose a, as few words as possible to make sure that the message gets across. So they don't worry about things like tenses and the correct grammar and punctuation. Like you mentioned earlier, there are some of these uh, gadgets that can actually correct the punctuation yes. and the capital letters and so forth. They add an apostrophe and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but generally, it does have some effect on the grammar if a child texts a lot. And some children have their phone with them even when they go to bed, you know. Yes. Uh, so it, it can have that negative side to it. What they've also found is that there are positives to it in terms of children's literacy, in terms of their reading, because they are finding more creative ways of spelling. Now, of course, we look at the spelling and we know it's not the correct spelling. Yes. And then I just have to ask you something there uh, before you continue with the spelling, right? When we talk about texting, you know, when you you get a gadget, uh, when you have a device, you know, it gives you an option of your your language. So some people would choose UK English. Some people would choose American English, right? So when you're texting, you'll notice the different ways of spelling. Like say a word like honor, for example, right? Um, H-O-N-O-U-R. Will you come to UK English with maybe with American? There we go. So again, Again, you know, when it comes to schooling in South Africa, the spelling rules that we are using, I'm assuming, I stand to be corrected, you're going to please um, give us feedback here, would be UK English, because if a child is using sort of the, the American English, that's how he or she is used to um, texting, so when he or she is now writing in an exam at school, that's how you're going to spell, and that's how you're going to be losing marks. So, which is generally the English that's used at schools in South Africa? In, uh, definitely, and we, we, we use the UK English, but I mean, we have to uh, correct it ourselves because the computer gives us a choice. And a lot of computers come there with the American English already, you know, you have to uh, readjust yes. it to get to the English. Because the, the, you'll find a lot of spelling errors that are highlighted, and then you realize that it's American English that they highlight in over there. So, yes, that's important. And, um, yeah, so South Africa, and there are some computers that have South African English, which is also. You know, that's actually very good. It's the most appropriate. But it's normally UK or American. Yeah. Yes. Which is also now, again, something that parents need to be mindful of when your child is preparing for a spelling test or your child, meaning teenagers as well, are obviously doing examinations because... Again, like I say, the way you text is sadly the way these days children are writing in school and that can obviously lead to you failing in an exam. The other thing is, you know, Gavin, which is something just that sorry, parents can I just also... Stop you there for one minute? Can I just sure. something? Sure. Now, you see, what you just said is true, but there's also the other side that children, when they are writing an exam or for school, they know the difference between what is acceptable at the school level and what isn't. There are those children who just, you know, um, don't take the time to really think. Because you see, when you're texting, you're doing it almost spontaneously. Yes. But uh, when you're writing an exam, you have time to think about the rules. And as long as there's that balance where the school is 
constantly reminding them about the correct grammar, the correct spelling, then children will be able to make that distinction, uh, you know, between what is acceptable at the school level and what's acceptable when they're talking on the phone with their friends or parents. Because they talk to a lot of different people and they use different registers each time. So they do learn to distinguish, you know, to differentiate. But it does affect those that are, who, who don't, I mean, children have attitudes. Some of them have very positive attitudes and they're very conscientious. Others just do things to get finished. So it's about reminding them and constantly reminding them all the time. Uh, yeah. Kevin, two, two very important questions. I'm going to do the first one, right? From crayons to beginner's pencil, that's how children start writing, then pencils to pens, now keyboard to artificial intelligence, right? As we are progressing with technology, the basic rules for writing still apply. So obviously, you know, knowing again, like you said, tense, grammar, um, your choice of words, um, also your spelling. So how do you suggest parents um, can monitor that their children are on track with those writing skills? And what would be the red flags? Like at what point can a parent or a teacher say, uh -uh, I think now this child needs to be referred to an educational psychologist. So what would be the red flags when it comes to writing? Uh, now, look, if a parent is working closely with their child, they will definitely pick up those kind of things, right? Because it's all about teaching them the letters and knowing yourself what are the letters and how, you know, the sound and all that kind of thing. And knowing yourself the, the, the capitals of the punctuation, teaching them the phonics. You know, well, you're starting from the very basics, from the small children and emphasizing it all the time. Understanding sentence structure yourself, teaching proper grammar, uh, you know, punctuation is so important. So you focus on all those simple, those, those individual skills. And then you will notice if you are monitoring your child's work, you will pick up where the child is, you know, falling short. Uh, but it, it's all again about teaching them because it's, it's not only when they're in primary school, but as they go to the higher standards, you would add more. Like for instance, teaching them the different types of writing. Mm -hmm. As they get to the end, some of it can be taught in primary school as well. You know, the whole thing about narrative writing, telling stories in the writing, or how to yes. do persuasive writing, you know, debating things and uh, convincing people of, of certain points. Then the whole thing of, they call it expository writing, but they simply mean describing what is, what is happening, what you see, maybe following instructions and so forth. So those things also parents can assist their children by. And if they see they have difficulties with it, that's where they can start helping. You know, so the storytelling. Yes. Yeah. How would how would how would you as an education psychologist screen and assess a child with a writing challenge? Like what would happen in such a in a, a session for the very first time? Yeah, no, sure. But look there's different types of tests that are available. There's the normal reading tests. And that gives you a clear idea of the child's comprehension level, right? Uh, then there's a different kind of test. test. Also, the, 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 like this graph here, where children have difficulty in forming the letters on paper. Or where the children need an OT because they have, they have serious visual motor problems, right? But then there are tests that have to do with early reading skills, the letter sounds, the letter names. There's reading comprehension tests. Uh, then there's also an alphabet writing fluency test. 
we give the child a chance to write it. Write the letters, at capitals and smalls. There's the Marie Claire letter identification test, which is letters and sounds. And if they don't know the letter or the sound, do they know this? Can they produce a word where that letter is used? Okay, then there's sentence composition tests. Then there's word reading tests, the lists, right? You also get the essay comp composition test. Then there's another test called a pseudo word decoding, just to see if they know all the sounds. So it's a nonsense word, but they put sounds together to see if the children can decipher those sounds. Uh, okay, well, oral expression is very much a part of whatever they're gonna write. Can they speak well, you know? Uh, the oral reading fluency, can they read out loud with the right emphasis so that it shows whether they understand the meaning? And of course, there's the spelling test. So all this is, and then of course, for the older children, you get things like the test of adolescent language. There are a number of those tests that link to how language is used. Yes. And you get scores for the different aspects of writing. So again, but now we don't get a lot of parents who come in with those with those requests. Most of the time, it's children that are having serious problems, like in terms of the reading and the comprehension those kind of things. Yes. But there are yes. tests available that you can give you, especially like when the children get to the higher level and you're applying for uh, accommodations and concessions in matric. Then you've got to mm. give a more thorough uh, breakdown of what's happening with the English. The timing, the pace, the number of words they get correct, the sp you know, all those things come into it before a concession is granted. Kevin, I need yeah. to ask you something. What would be your closing message to our listeners on the importance of basic writing skills. Okay, now the one thing I would suggest, not only for, because writing is linked to reading so closely, there mm -hmm. has to be a partnership with the school and the teachers. They, you know, somehow people have to look at it as, more, as a, a collaboration rather than the us and them attitude. So that teachers and parents are working in the same direction and they understand that they both have the same goals. It's not the one time to, I don't like my child or that kind of thing. It's really about how to work together and it'll make it easier for the parent and it'll make it easier for the teacher and the child benefits. The second point is parents have to become familiar with technology and what is happening the gadgets that are used, the type of programs. I mean, there's a lot of reading programs and writing where children can write their own stories on the internet. And parents need to explore that. So if teachers or schools could educate parents and show them what is available and how that is help, you know, can help them and help their children. Those two things are so important because technology is really here to stay. It's affecting everything we do. And we are, as parents, we often fall behind. And when I have a problem with my phone, I go to my nephew or, you know, yes. and they <laughs> will show me quick, quick how to fix it. And I don't really know those things, but they, we parents have to empower themselves and that will make a difference in how they can assist their children. Most definitely. Most and of definitely. course, uh, the most Every important is patience and love. You know, you're doing it. It's an act of love. And so it's never a waste. Mm. Yeah. Yes. 
Kevin, Frank, an absolute pleasure having you on air with me. It's always a pleasure because there's so much that I learn. There's so much that my listeners learn. May you be blessed with continued success and also never forget the impact that you create in educating, empowering, motivating and inspiring me and so many other people who have the pleasure of knowing you and working with you. Thank you so much, Kevin. And definitely we will be having you back on the airwaves of Youth Talk very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you and have a good day. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you so much. My beloved listeners, like you heard Kevin said, we spoke about reading last week with Kevin. This week is speaking about writing. Reading and writing go together. But trust me, when you read the vocabulary that you learn, the word bank that you have, obviously gives you the ideas when you want to put all of this into writing and when you're writing whether you're writing a good old-fashioned letter whether you are commenting on something that you saw on social media whether you are sending a message out on social media it says a lot about who you are who you are as a person your ideas your beliefs and what you are all about be mindful when you write and remember that writing is a skill it's very very powerful who knows one day something that you are writing could be in the newspaper could be on social media to a point where you get lots and lots of people following you and people inspired by you so never underestimate that ability that you have who knows you could be writing a book soon remember those who have this love for writing alhamdulillah you have a skill how are you using the skill are you using the skill to bring people closer to Allah are you using the skill to teach somebody something don't ever underestimate the power of their pen or their pencil or in this case now as we are moving in recent times of their text inshallah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase us all in knowledge wisdom and understanding inshallah my beloved listeners until we speak again next week Saturday kindly remember me and everybody at Radio Islam International inshallah in your du'as never underestimate the power of du'as and inshallah until we speak again next week inshallah assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh